Thanks, Wilson. <clears throat> I'm not sure I can speak today. He brought back ba- bad memories of second grade. <laughs> One kid was making faces, and he was the kid that always got in trouble. I happened to sit beside him, so I was laughing at the faces he made. And Miss Rodebarger grabbed a yardstick and came back and beat us with it. I mean, seriously, we're like covering our heads and ducking. And, and she got a good swipe in at uh, the other boy, Bob, and broke the yardstick on his head. So, hey, that's why I am the man I am today. All right, so you heard about the guy that said, when I told them I was going to be a professional comedian, they all laughed. Well, they're not laughing now. You don't get that. I don't understand this. That's a funny joke, okay? Okay. All right, this is a happy day because we're going to do baptisms today, and that's always exciting. Um, We had nine people we baptized the first service, and 15 this service are uh, stepping up and just making a public profession of faith in Christ through baptism. And baptism is a, it is a symbol of something that they've already done in their lives, which is to receive Jesus into their hearts. And so baptism is like saying, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And Jesus himself was baptized. But in Jesus' day, baptism didn't have all the religious overtones it has today. It was a, it was a, a common thing that was done in the nations in the Middle East to indicate that you were moving from one stage of life into another major stage of life. Usually a very major thing would, person would be baptized to indicate this is all new now. And so Jesus was baptized at the age of 30 at the beginning of his public ministry to indicate, you know, the old Jesus, the, the boy Jesus, he's, he's, he's behind us now. And, and I am entering now into my public ministry where I present myself as Messiah to the nation and to the world. And so Jesus was baptized, and if nothing else, simply because he was, we are, and, and we follow him in that. But in, in the process of Christian theology unfolding, baptism also took on some deeper meaning that it had simply the idea of life change. And it, it does have that idea. It does, it does say something's different. I'm, I am headed into, in a new direction in life now. But today, it also positions the person's heart because of humility, just the humility of doing this. And in front of other people, because there aren't a lot of other symbols like this in our culture. So it, it, it really, it seems kind of odd almost. But because the Bible teaches it, we do it. And it's, it's an act of humility that positions the person to, to walk in a fuller experience with the Holy Spirit and with God. It's not like, there's not like a direct correlation between the two, but it is the humility of heart. And then again, baptism was often associated with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So, uh, so it does opens us up to a deeper work of the Holy Spirit. But as well, it symbolizes that as Christ followers, we are different. We've changed. I don't mean different than other people, but I am different than I used to be. And you see, here's what happens. When a person opens their heart to Jesus Christ and they receive Christ as their Savior... It's not just like saying, okay, everybody, from now on, I'm going to try to be a really good person. I'm going to, I'm going to obey the Ten Commandments. And doggone it, that's my new life, Ten Commandment life. That's not what happens. 
when a person receives Jesus, what they're saying is they can't do life with God without Jesus. And so it's when Jesus comes in, what he actually does is to change us. He changes our heart. He changes our very nature so that the old nature that I was born with is gone and I receive a new nature. Now, you know what nature is? Nature is like an inborn inclination that we have. It's like instincts. For instance, a fox by nature eats chickens. A fox doesn't look at a chicken and say, oh, we could be friends. If I play this right, I find a new friend here. No, a fox looks at the chickens and thinks dinner. That's all they think. That's, that's instinct. It's inborn into them. When you and I are born in this world, we are born into a fallen world as part of a fallen race. And fallen, I mean fallen from the, the, the position that God created us to be in. And we're, we're fallen, so we're not what God created us to be. And so we're born into a world where in, instead of really trusting God, we might have some inclinations that would say, yeah, boy, I'd like to know God, but yeah, doggone it, I'm not so sure. He might, he might hammer me. He might be mad at me. Uh, there's fear of God. And, the, you know, I have all this sin, so God, he probably is not going to accept me. Once you accept Jesus into your heart, you realize you have been totally, completely forgiven for everything you've ever done in your life. You are made a child of God. You come to know God as your father. And then rather than kind of like, like wanting to know him, but drawn back, you know, being shy, you can run to him because he has open arms toward, for you. And so this new nature recognizes that. The old nature doesn't recognize that. And other, other shifts that take place, just the, the, the fact that, that we are totally new. This is why we baptize by immersion. It's the going under the water symbolizes death to the old self. Coming out of the water is a symbol of new life in Christ. And so um, we, you know, we don't look at others and say they're doing it wrong. All we do is say, this is how we do it. We think it's biblical. In fact, in Romans 6, it talks about this new nature and it associates it with baptism. But here he's not referring to water baptism necessarily. But in Romans 6, 4, he says, we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Now, there is a baptism that happens at the moment a person accepts Jesus. We, we come into the spiritual, spirit realm. We enter into the Holy Spirit, and that can be referred to as being baptized into the spirit. But there's also physical baptism, and in that culture, in that day, the, the moment a person accepted Christ, they were baptized physically. And so it's hard to distinguish between the two there as, as we do in our culture today. But he says here that we become new. We live new lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that's what we're celebrating with this whole, um, this whole, uh, this whole ceremony of baptism is that we are new. Now, what I want to talk to you about today is how to actually live this new nature, this new inclination I have, and how to get that, how to get my mind, my mind lined up with the new inclinations of my heart, of my nature. 
because my mind, I still grew up in East Brady, Pennsylvania. I still had all the experiences I had there, learned all the things I had there. How you respond to someone who tries to push you around. How, how, how you respond to someone who um, disrespects you. I learned all those things there, and you did too. And we have all these things, you know, how you handle money, or what, work, or what possibilities are there actually out there in life for me. We learn all these things, and so... The, the whole process of spiritual growth is getting my mind lined up with my new heart because my mind needs to be renewed. And what we mean by that is that the Holy Spirit takes God's truth and he replaces all those wrong ideas I have about life. He replaces them with his truth and he does it in a way that makes it just part of me so that it becomes as if this is what I've known all along. That's called renewing the mind. We all need to have our minds renewed um, because our hearts are drawing us one direction. And if my mind is drawing me another direction, then I have turmoil inside. And the reason a lot of Christians don't have any joy, the reason a lot of Christians don't, don't have any peace is that their heart is telling them one thing and they're listening to their mind, which is telling them something else. And the heart is saying, you really ought to forgive this person. The mind is saying they don't deserve it. They wronged me. If I forgive them, then that's like saying they get away with it. Or that's like saying it's okay what they did to me. I've heard that a hundred times. But what Jesus says is, no, you forgive them just the same way I forgave you, which was freely. It wasn't I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. And the simple truth is Jesus did already die for the sins of the world. So even if that person doesn't know Christ, Jesus already paid the price for that sin, that offense against you. And and so my heart says forgive. My mind says, no, you can't do that. You learned this. And and you you tried to forgive once and it backfired on you. And that's worldly. That's old nature thinking. That's the old person thinking. And what we need is to have this mind renewed into godly thinking, into biblical thinking that the Holy Spirit brings to us. And as I said, he just embeds it in our brains as if that's what I learned from the beginning. And the other stuff is gone. And then my mind and my heart start to line up. And the more and more my mind and my heart line up, the happier person I am. The easier it is for me in life. And the more biblical I live and the more power I have in the kingdom of God to bless and impact the lives of other people, which is what, what this new nature says I should do. And so a few weeks ago, I talked about the tongue and how the Bible says no one can control the tongue. Now, have any of you ever thought, I really got to control my tongue? Come on, come on, come on, come on. First service, we had honest people here. All right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, how many of us have not said, all right, how many of us have not said, I got to control my tongue? This is going to be, we're going to take this up in just one minute. Right now, what I'm going to do is release those that are going to be baptized to go get baptized, okay? If you're going to be baptized or if you're doing the baptism, it takes some time for you guys to go back there and get prepared for this. So let's clap for them as they all make their way back there. Awesome, awesome. So uh, the Bible says, in fact, no one can control the tongue. 
So if you have, if you speak words of bitterness or impatience or a lack of kindness in your, in your words or your tone of voice, and you're saying, oh, I just got to get control of my tongue, you can't. But you know what you can do? You can change your heart. And Jesus said, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And we're not talking about the new, the heart can be used in a couple of different ways. It can be used as the new nature we have, or it can be used as kind of like our mind, there's overlap there. And in this context, he's saying, whatever you're taking into your mind and whatever principles and judgments you make, they're going to come out your tongue. And so if I'm impatient with other people, really the problem that I have is that I, I somehow I think I'm smarter than them. Somehow I'm, I'm looking at all of them thinking, yeah, you got to make me happy. You got to fit into my schedule, which is self-centeredness. And if I still have that self-centered thinking in my mind, then it's easy for me to, to ignore this heart drawing that says serve others. And it's easy for me then to give into my mind that says no others should serve me. And then not only do I have the turmoil of that discontinuity in there inside me, but I'm also filling my mind with stuff that's going to come out at moments that are going to be embarrassing and hurtful, embarrassing to me and hurtful to others. And so it's the heart that has to change. And here was the statement I gave you, the principle, and that was the tongue is hardwired to the heart, okay? God did it that way so that we can't hide our hearts. Enough pressure and what's in my heart is going to come out. And so it's the heart that we change. It's and, and heart in the sense of the renewed mind and renewed values. And I want to share another principle with you today. But first, I want to share a short story. Um, I read this story years ago. I think it was a Wycliffe missionary. Wycliffe is an organization that sends missionaries into, the, into very primitive areas. And this missionary was uh, relating to several tribes. And one day, one of the tribes sent a, an emissary to him. And there was a grandma that was sick and in a lot of pain. And he had some basic um, first aid skill training. And so he went to the village and he was able to relieve her pain. He was able to help her. And so what the tribe did because they wanted to honor him, they gave him one of their delicacies, which was a big white grub worm, as big as your thumb, he said. And they put it on a leaf and they handed it to him like, here, we love you so much here. This This is a gift to you. And so he looked at it and he realized, if I don't eat this, I'm going to offend them horribly and um, never be able to come back here again. So he thought, okay, I'm going to eat. I'm going to swallow it whole. I'll let the stomach acid kill it. And I'm not, I'm not going to bite down. And he said he put it as far back in his mouth as he could. And it, with a little bit of a gag reflex, he bit down. And, and so um, he gagged that down. And then he looked at them and he went, mmm. Like this, quick as a wink, a little boy ran off into the jungle. And before this guy could pack all of his stuff up and get out of Dodge, the kid came back with another one. (laughs) So he had to eat that one too. (laughs) So here's the principle. It's, this is roughly it. I'm going to define it a little bit better as we go on, but it's this. When you smile and say, "Mm," you you attract more of the same. Okay. When you smile and you say, hmm, no, you attract more of the same. There's a, a, a principle that I heard uh, Chris Vallotton from Bethel Church talking about that kind of stirred. It's, it's, this message isn't his message, but this illustration is his. And um, I, I, it, it had to do with the Internet and algorithms. Algorithms are mathematical formulas that somehow 
um, are embedded into the internet so that every time you go on the internet and you look at something, you buy something or you look at two or three of the same things, it keeps track of that. And so a few weeks ago, I was looking for a dehumidifier and I went online, I checked Amazon and a few other places, just looked at the dehumidifiers. Every time I go online now, guess what's there? Dehumidifiers. They think I like dehumidifiers. I said, mmm, the dehumidifiers. So they keep coming back at me. And you see, there's a spiritual algorithm, something like that in the, in the spirit realm. And somehow, when we focus on something, it is returned back to us and we get more of it. This is taught in a verse in the New Testament, Jesus in Luke 8, 18. Just understanding that will help you understand this verse, okay? Luke 8, 18, it says this. So take care how you listen. It doesn't say take care what you listen to, although that's involved, but the more important issue is how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. Now, it's not talking about material possessions here. In fact, in the context right before this, Jesus had just talked about receiving the word of God. He said there are four types of hearts. He said there's a hard heart where the word can't get in. It's just like seed falling along a pathway where the ground is packed down so tight that it can't penetrate. So there's the hard heart. Then there's the fickle heart. Fickle heart is a heart that seems to receive the word, but as soon as hardship comes or some offense or they're let down by someone or something, they dump it, they just, they just walk away. And then the third type of heart is the divided heart. It's the half heart. And this is a person that really receives the, the word, but they aren't able to trust God for their daily needs. And so they get so caught up in money and in work and in health insurance and cars and clothes and all of the all of the things you need to live you get so caught up in all of that that it dulls the intensity with which you really follow Jesus or you you walk with him and the closeness that you have with him so that's the half-hearted and then the fourth one was the good heart and the good heart just receives it it's just like soil that's all prepared the seed comes yippee here's more seeds I'll take that seed and I'll nourish it and it grows in, and it grows and it produces fruit. And so what Jesus is saying here is be careful how you listen. Be careful how you listen because it's how you receive God's truth, God's word that determines how much more you're going to get. And so how you listen, listen with a good heart. Jesus said this, know your heavenly father and trust him. Just know him and trust him. Father, if you say it, I'll do it, okay? doesn't make sense to me, but you said it. You created me, and I do still have all these wrong thoughts in my mind, so maybe this must be one of them. I'm not going to go with what I was taught. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. That's a good heart that just says, whatever you say, I'll do. Wherever you say to go, I'll go. And it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to actually mean it and, and to begin to actually walk it out in life. But what we see here is this, uh, this principle that whatever you listen to and receive is going to be multiplied back to you. So whatever I listen to and receive will be multiplied back to me, whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. 
And, and so be careful how you listen because what you're listening to is going to determine the, the, the growth in your life, in, your, in the spiritual realm. It's going to determine your spiritual growth. And so whatever you listen to and receive is multiplied, applied back to you. Now in the verse, it said, whoever has to him more shall be given. That word has can mean something that you grip or something that you hold on to. And so uh, another way to say this would be whatever you grab hold of grabs hold of you. Okay. Dehumidifiers have grabbed hold of me. All right. Maybe you like fishing and fishing has grabbed hold of you or, uh, or maybe you're into, into cooking and cooking has grabbed hold of you. And so whatever you focus on comes back to you. And, and it becomes the thing that defines who you are. But the thing is this. If I am willing to have that good heart that says, God, your word, what you say. I know I learned that I, 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 shouldn't, I should not uh, give help this person because they're not worthy of help. And as I look at their life, I don't think they're worthy of help. But your word says to help them because I'm to be gracious and merciful and kind. So I'm going to do it. If we can have that attitude. You know, the Bible says that blessed is the man who swears to his own hurt and yet does it. So that means when you asked me if I'd come and help you move on Saturday morning a week and a half ago, I said, yeah, I'll come. I didn't even look at my calendar. I look at my calendar later and I see, oh, I was going to go to this ball game that day or I was going to go to this that day or whatever. But God, your word says that I I gave my word and I'm going to keep it. Now, sometimes your friend will just say, ah, oh, no, of course not. I have plenty of help. Go to the ballgame. But if not, if not, then I am following a godly principle rather than a self-centered principle. Do you follow me? And so there are all of these things in our minds that we've learned that are just not right. And, and we need to judge them according to God's word and then just receive God's word. And as we do, what happens is, let's say there's the junk in my mind wrong thinking, junk thinking, and then there's the good thinking, the renewed part of my mind. And as, as, as I have a good heart to receive more, to receive from God, then he gives me more, and then there's more there, and then he proportionately gives me more, and this then starts to go down. And it's not that I have to focus on the junk and say, oh, I got to get rid of that junk. No, what I need to focus on is the truth, and focus on the good, and then the, the junk's going to fade over time. And, and, I, and I have this, um, this um, growth that is exponential in my life spiritually. But the same thing is true in the converse. It's true in the converse. And that, that is, if I fo- focus on this side, and, 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 I'm, and I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, well, this doesn't hurt me that much. I can do this, and, it, and it's really not bad. It's not going to be any real problem for me. Then I'm going to have diminishing returns. So that's what the last half of this verse in Luke 8, 18 says. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. And so when, when you think about the flip side of this, and not the good things that we're focused on, but the bad things that we're taking in. Uh, the, the talk shows that are all cynical and critical and make the world sound like it's just a horrific place. If I watch that, then my brain is going to go there. It is, and, and it's going to reinforce my wrong thinking. 
If you get up in the morning and the first thing you do is read your favorite newspaper to see what the current political stuff that's happening is going on, that's the first thing you do, and, and then it impacts you for the rest of the day, you've got an issue. You're, you're, you're listening to the wrong things. And, and you're focused your heart on the wrong thing because if that's what you do, focus your heart on that negative stuff, more negative is going to come in. And, and, you're gonna, and what happens then is you, you say, well, look, I've got a pretty good spiritual base here and I can afford to take some of this junk in. And, but here's what happens. As it comes in, this goes down. And so I think I have. I think I'm pretty solid. It doesn't hurt me to listen to that music. It doesn't hurt me to go to that website. It doesn't hurt me to watch that show. And I'm pretty solid, so, so, so I can do that. But this side starts going up, the bad side, and, and the spiritual wealth side starts to diminish. That's what Jesus meant by he who thinks he has, even what he has, he's going to lose. And there are so many things. Um, it's not just quite as simple as sacred versus secular. But there are certain things that I know impact my heart and life that I just can't do. Like, I can't watch a show that has like a mafia-style execution killing in it. I don't, it just makes me sick to my stomach. I can't watch shows where the husband and wife are contemplating adultery. For some reason, it's just like, what about those kids? And why do I want to watch this? I don't want to watch this. They're, those are things that are not good. Now, I don't mind watching shows where people are killed. And a lot of people can be killed in the show, as long as the good guy's killing the bad guys. I'm happy with that. One of my favorite movies is Gettysburg. Thousands of people get killed in that movie. And uh, I watch the scene where they charge down Little Round Top. When I'm discouraged, I'll, put, I'll pull that out and watch it. And it, is, it strengthens my heart. It says, yeah, there's, there's place for boldness in life. There's a place for there being values that are more important than life. And things that you, that you need to stick to no matter what. And, and all of that then applies to my spiritual side. And, and it bolsters my thinking. Musically, there are songs that if I listen to them, I can leave worship. I can walk straight out of worship. Worshiping Jesus. Just, you know, and, and I turn the radio on. There are certain songs that will take me right back to 1970. And it's just like, just like that. Oh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in that frame of mind. And then I have to say, no, I can't, I can't live there. I can't do that. But there are also songs, secular songs. There's this old, old singer named Robert Goulet. Anybody heard of him? Yeah, if you're 60 or above. <laughs> no, nah, 50 or above, I think you've heard of him. I remember as a little boy, probably seven, eight years old, sitting with my grandparents watching Ed Sullivan. No, Ed Sullivan, yeah. And listening to Robert Goulet sing to dream the impossible dream. And boy, I, I listen to that today. Once in a while, I'll, I'll pull that off my iPhone and listen to that. And it lifts my heart because it's all about nobility. It's about, it's about doing the courageous thing no matter what the cost. And that, so there's stuff that's not necessarily, you know, just flat out Christian stuff that can really lift our hearts up. Um, what about Bob as a movie? I, I can't, you know. <laughs> but there's so much stuff out there. So many sources of input that not only reinforce my old fallen mindsets and beliefs, but just inflame them. And we've got to be careful with that. Whether we're talking about TV, 
radio, um, internet, uh, Twitter, you know, the list can go on, but uh, books, how about romance novels? I, I wonder, I'd love to, love to see if there are any statistics on this, how many, you know, you know, men do pornography and become dissatisfied with their wives. I think, though, that there's the possibility, at least, um, for a woman to get caught up in romance novels and become dissatisfied with her husband because, there's, because he's not living up to the, the perfect romantic guy. And so we've got to think about these things and, and, and be wise on what are we going to take in because what I'm taking in is going to multiply. And if it's, if it's the bad stuff, then the good stuff diminishes and, and I lose more and more of it over time. So, um, yeah, it's not easy to judge all of this, but some of it is pretty clear. Chat rooms. You go into a chat room and someone makes, or, or a, like a political chat room, especially today, you go into a chat room and someone makes a statement you disagree with, and you don't have to face this person. So you fire something back at them that's a little bit obnoxious, and they fire something back at you that's worse, and you just start firing salvos back. You're, you're just shooting them off into, into outer space. Don't, you'll never see the person. You don't know the person. Why is it that you feel like you have to be right? I mean, why is it? I mean, I'm, I'm like that. I'm not saying you, but why is it that we feel like we have to win this argument? So it, it, but, but that... But that's an old style of thinking. That's the old man thinking I've got to win this argument because I've got to be in control is what it all comes down to because I'm not very happy with life unless I feel like I'm in control. I'm not willing to trust God with my life, with the people around me. I've got to be in control. That's why we want to be right so badly, isn't it? Most of the fights Lori and I have had over the years, which we've been married 43 years now, it doesn't happen very often anymore, but once in a while still, it really comes down to who's right. No, you did say this. No, I didn't say that. Yes, you did say that. No, I didn't say that. It's just back and forth. I mean, have you ever done that? It's just crazy. But that's control and fear of being out of control. That's an old, old, an old style of thinking that doesn't come from God. And like, I lead meetings. I like to, if I lead a meeting, I like to have a plan for here's how this is going to go and here's where we're going to end up. And this is going to be the conclusion of the discussion. And then someone takes it off and I've, you know, I find that irritating because of control. One time um, I was being the older, wiser guy and I was talking to Wilson and Luke about how a meeting had kind of like turned, the atmosphere of the meeting kind of turned sideways at one point. And I said, yeah, I think you noticed when so-and-so said this, the atmosphere just went that way. And Wilson looked at me and he said, Dad, the atmosphere didn't go that way because of what they said. It went that way because of the look on your face when they said it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, we, we, we got to give these things up because that's, that's the old way of thinking and the old way of approaching life. And so it's not as simple as secular versus sacred. But I do find I'm listening to the Christian stations a whole lot more. Um, here, here, let's just let me just ask a few questions. Does it encourage trust in God or trust in self? Does this show this this uh, radio personality that I listen to or this website that I visit? Does it encourage trust in God or trust in self? Does it give me peace and joy or turmoil and confusion? Now, I want to say something here. Sometimes the word of God will bring turmoil to your heart because you're thinking the other way 
and you're not quite ready to say yet, okay, Jesus, if that's what you say, I'm going to go for it. And so until you really realize that, that you need to correct that thought, it can bring turmoil for a season into your heart. But the word of God generally brings peace to us. So does it bring peace or turmoil? Does it give confidence and godly boldness or fear? Fear-based stuff that causes me to fear in life is not good to focus on. Healthy or unhealthy thought patterns, um, lust, discur- dis- dis- uh, discontentment, um, anger, greed. Uh, fifth, patience, kindness, and love towards others. Does it, does it produce that, this input into my mind? Finally, uh, here's a question. Can I move straight from this into worship? Can I move straight from this into worship? So here I'm watching Freddy Krueger or whatever it is. I don't know. I, honestly, I've never watched one of those shows. I'm not, I'm not judging anybody that does. I'm just saying I don't think it would be good for my mind. Okay. But let's say I'm, I'm in the middle of that and then suddenly, can I just suddenly bust out in a worship song? I, you know, you got to ask that question, okay? Now, the thing is, remember, some people think, oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'm so mature that I can handle that. But what happens is you get more of that, and then it diminishes this. It diminishes the good side. Okay, remember that. So when you start thinking, I'm mature enough, I can watch that show, even though I know it's bad, just ask yourself, you know, do I, do I want to get into this track where this side's going up and the, the good side's going down. And I think most of us would say we don't want to be there. But um, so final thoughts on this whole message would be that um, we want to focus our thoughts on Jesus and the good things so that those are the things that are fed back to us in this, in this spiritual um, algorithm thing and that we receive more truth and and closer relationship and deeper understanding of who we are in Christ and a fuller, richer concept of what it means to know Jesus. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to pray for us right now. And I would encourage you just to open your heart to God to receive whatever he has for you at this moment. But Father, we, we are thankful for your incredible goodness. And we trust you. We proclaim your goodness. And we know that you bring good things to us. And, and even if what you tell me to do is totally contrary to, to what I've learned in life and seems like it's going to be so hard, if you tell me I know it's a good thing and, and I want to adjust my heart to it and, and follow you and obey you. So I pray blessing on each one of our lives in that regard. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to receive our offering right now, okay? Let's hear a cheer from the crowd. So the baskets are on the far left. If, you, if you're on that side, pick up the basket, please, and um, pass it down. As you touch that basket, just say, God, thank you for your provision in my life. Thank you for your goodness, your love for me. I want you to know that um, it's these offerings. These offerings are the way we support this ministry. We don't have any outside support. So everything that comes into the church comes in through these offerings. And we're very thankful for the way you give. I want to read the names of those that are going to be baptized right now, okay? Yeah, so. First, I want to say this. 
our children from our children's ministry are going to come in. They, they fill this whole space right here so they get an upfront close view. Pictures are okay. You're allowed to take pictures. Uh, we do project the um, baptism on the screen. So really sitting there and watching it or standing there and watching it, you really get to see their faces better than if you tried to come up here. But um, so please don't anyone come up here for the, the first worship song. We're going to do one whole song while they get ready and come in. And, um, but don't leave this whole space open for all the kids to come in, okay? If you have a child here today that's up front and they run to you and they say, oh, I want to stay with you, mommy or daddy, you have to send them back because we'll go back and count heads and we'll be missing a kid and that's bad news. We don't, we don't like that. So um, I'm going to read the names now, okay? So we have Sarah Calderon is going to be baptized. If you want to cheer, you're, you're welcome to. Uh, Anna Weeters is going to be baptized. Yeah. Chris McDaniel. Samantha Strunk. Jim Clement. And this is also Jim's birthday. Yeah. Adam Terrence. Beckett Terrence. Zoe Utek, Caitlin Kozuski, Dora Rapierre, Sean Smith, Chris Brown, Nancy Ann Hill. Marcus Ingram II. And Francesca Dunn. All right. So you can stand, you can stay seated uh, for this first worship song. The baptizees will be coming in during that time, and then we'll get right into it when we start the second song, okay? All right. So let's stand. Let's start off standing. But you know you're welcome to sit at any point in time. it is to be able to witness all these people making professions of faith in Christ, just a public statement, and then to get to worship the living God like this. This changes us. If you don't know that worship will change your life if you engage heart to heart with God during worship. So um, I know a lot of you are visitors today, and probably many of you came for the baptism. And if you did and you have a home church, then we bless that and just thank you for coming today. But if you're here, if you're here today, and um, and you don't have a church you're going to, boy, come back, would you please? Would love to have you come back. And one of the things I'd encourage you to do is 
come at least three or four times before you try to figure this place out, okay? It might, it might be different than what you're used to, but uh, we just, we, we're all about just wanting the presence of God, to worship God and truth, truth and worship. Um, so we do a pretty simple service that way. What I'm going to ask you to do right now is just to have a seat, okay, just for one minute. What we saw this morning as they went under the water and came back out was a picture of what happens when a person receives Jesus Christ into their life. And what I want you to do right now is if you close your eyes if you have to do this, but picture Jesus standing at the door of your heart and he's standing there knocking and he's saying, will you let me in? Will you let me in? But in this picture, I want you to imagine that on the door, on the outside of the door, there's no door handle. There's no way for Jesus to open that door. And so it's only on the inside because only you can open that door and invite him into your life and and let him in. And Jesus himself did the thing that that he, he took care of the thing that separated us from God, which was sin. And if you can picture, if you had all of the wrong things you've done in your life in a backpack and you put that backpack on, how heavy would it be? I, I can tell you mine would be heavy. But Jesus wipes that all away. When he died on the cross, his death was so powerful and so massive that it paid the sins for all the world, for all time. And so there's nothing standing between you and, and receiving Jesus into your heart, just as, as these folks did illustrated this morning. But uh, what I want to ask you is this. If Jesus was here right now, would you let him in? Would you let him in? Okay. Well, he is here, okay? He is here. And, yeah. He is here. And just like the wind, you can't see him, but you can feel him. You can't see the, you can't see the air moving, but you can feel it. You put your hand out the window, you feel it. So what I want to do right now, for anyone here who has never invited Jesus into their life, I'm going to pray right now that the Holy Spirit would touch you, that you would feel his presence just like you feel the wind, that there would be some sense that you'll have, whether it's peace or maybe just a warmth that comes over your body. It could be any number of things, but that you're going to sense that, yeah, he really is here, okay? So let's close our eyes, and I'm going to pray that, and I'll pause for a few seconds to let you experience what the Holy Spirit has for you today. But Father God, thank you for your incredible love for us. You sent your son, Jesus to redeem us so we could be in your family because you loved us so much and you love every person in this room thank you Jesus that you died for everything every person in this room has done so that you could bring us into relationship with the Father so Holy Spirit right now I ask you for any here who have not received Christ yet into their life that you would touch them right now touch them in a real way that they'll know it's you So if you just felt, felt God touch you, then that's Jesus saying, yeah, I really am here. I really am here. And I'm going to pray right now and give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. So just pray this after me. 
Uh, praying it out loud would be really sweet if you have that amount of boldness. You could whisper it. You could pray it in your mind, and God hears what's in your mind, too. If you mean it, that's, that's all that counts. So just pray this after me. Just, Father God, thank you for your love for me. Tell him that. Jesus, thank you that you died to pay for all of my sins. Jesus, I need you in my life. I want to follow you. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to follow you, Jesus. So Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. Give me a new heart. Make me new. Thank you. Thank you for coming in, Jesus. Amen. All right, Alec, if you could pull the lights up just halfway. I want some other people here to help me. But um, first service, we had three people that raised their hands saying they prayed that prayer for the very first time in their lives. So I'm going to ask you, there's there's something about boldness in all of this. There's something about saying, I really mean this. And so if you just prayed that prayer to receive Jesus, this is the first time you prayed this prayer to receive Jesus into your life, would you raise your hand, please, and keep it up. Don't just up and down. Okay, right here's one, right there's one. Thank you. Others? Oh, right here. Okay. That's awesome. Three people. Three, four people now. Four. That's really great. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah, this is worth cheering about. All right. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, we have a, a, we want to give you a Bible, but more than that, we want to send a link to you of a video. And so if you would come up and um, my wife and I will be over here, Lori. Lori, would you stand up? This is my beautiful wife, Lori. And uh, if you just come up and say hi to us, those of you that raised your hand, we'd like to get your number so we can send you this link so you can watch this video. It'll just really help you understand more what it means to accept Jesus and it'll help you along the way, okay? Would you please come up and tell us that over here? All right, prayer teams are gonna come down and we wanna pray for any needs you have, physical healing issues, um, emotional issues, job, whatever it might be, relational stuff, whatever it might be, we wanna pray for you, okay? Would you come up and let us pray for you? And those that uh, did pray, that raised their hand, would you please come up here so we can get your, um, your, your, so we can send you a text message. We're not going to inundate you with texts or anything. We just want to follow up with you on what this means. So, okay. Awesome. Okay, everyone stand. All right, let's all say, go Bengals. They play today, don't they? Yeah. Okay, go Bengals. We'll see you next week.